Welcome to the M2 Podcast. This is the show where we cover your esports and personalities, video game industry related news, technology, innovation, and pretty much all things gaming we can review. I'm your host, Michael Anthony, my co host, Mr. JK Heath, and this is the M2 Podcast. So, what we like to start off with is a little bit of a brief update of what we've been up to. So, Kyle, what have you had going on the last week? What have I had going on? I'm trying to think if I did any gaming, man. I'm going to be honest. I have a. Uh... didn't feel like either <laughs> yeah it's it, it, yeah it was busy week i know for both of us probably so um didn't get to as much gaming as i would like to i do i i said it last week i gotta hold myself accountable at some point i would love to get back and do some single player gaming again there's a backlog right. that i need to get to um so who knows maybe hopefully sooner rather than later i can start getting back on that but yeah um other than that i guess the only video game related thing this week I saw The Last of Us episode one on HBO Max. It was fantastic. Did you see Fire. it, Mike? Heck yeah, I saw it. I saw it so, uh, right at nine. It was so nice, good. Nice, nice, yeah. Yeah, I saw it a little later that night, but nevertheless, it, was, it did not disappoint, and it's got me really excited for the rest of the show. I mean, I, like, I, you know, I hesitate. It, like, I almost hate saying this, but I hesitate to be like, oh, it's going to be a smash hit, especially like with just all the bad content out there, but like, it's Naughty Dog, and I can tell from the first episode, like, they're, they seem to be doing it right. And it's one of those things, like, there's a lot of the original kind of, you know, a lot of the original kind of story progression and content and stuff is, I think, from the game is still intact. But they do a really good job of branching off in ways that doesn't stray too far from original, like, source material. At least in the first episode. Yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to see um, what is, how, how the rest of this is going to go. Um, and, like, Pedro Pascal... I will take him as Joel. He's a fantastic Joel. I'm very he's excited to see how he's going to do. Like, there's no, I mean, it's, it's, you know, no wonder he's, you know, such a fantastic actor with like everything he does. Cause gosh, I was like, when I saw him as Joel, I was like, I don't know. But then after I see it now, I'm sold. Like, you know, sign me up. So very much excited for that. The, for those that have played the first one, even even when it got to the the uh the scene, spoiler alert, don't listen to the next ten seconds if you haven't seen or played the game. But whenever his daughter dies at the beginning, he did such a good job of that. I I was this close to tearing up again, and I've seen that scene so many times. <laughs> so it's like that's like how yeah. good he did at that. So, how many times yeah. do you think he played the game like that opening that opening sequence? You know, you know a lot, it, right? Yeah, it makes it makes me wonder. I mean. It, you know, one for one, like it's that that part, especially where like he grabs his daughter and everything, he's like holding her, like that is almost one to one. Like I've seen so many comparisons on Twitter of like you could literally swap out the audio between the game and the movie, and it's like the same scene. So it's uh that is like I'm glad they kept that because that is like that is a super powerful scene. I think it really set the tone for like how good this is gonna be if they could pull that off. So um I don't know. I'm excited, man. I haven't been excited for a TV show in a while, but um and like, even <laughs> yeah. though, even though I know the story, like I've like just watched that first episode and seeing the kind of subtle differences and the different ways they may take it, it's got me interested to keep watching. So that's, that's what gets me excited. But yeah, solid show. That's the only like game related thing I think I was really up to this week, unfortunately. So I'm hoping this week I can get back to it a little bit more, but yeah, um, crazy, crazy week. Nonetheless, what about you, Mike? Uh, not really too much. So, you know how we do the recordings of our podcast on Thursday nights. Also on Thursday, I have 
Halo Rec League matches, where we're in Master Pre-Made Division. We're currently 5-0, and and we're going against the other, uh, the other, uh, other undefeated team in the same, like, division as us tonight. And it's going to be streamed on the main broadcast, so I'm pretty excited about that. So, like, most of my gaming time is, most, is basically built around Halo Infinite right now. I'm also doing, like, a little bit of coaching in preparation for HCS Charlotte. And we'll probably get into HCS at some point about, like, what's going on over there. But in terms of gaming, yeah, it was just really The Last of Us. The Last of Us was, like, I thought it was really good. Um, my favorite sequence of the first episode was the the truck scene where they're going backwards and, like, they're stuck. Oh, yeah. And that's down. Dude, it's... Oh, man, they did that so well. Oh, I so think... Good. I love the... um. I thought what was really crazy, too, is when, like, the planes come in. Because, like, you know, like, mm -hmm. people in the planes, they start realizing, like, oh, like, this is it. <laughs> like, the, yeah, like, the world's ending. So it's, like, you just see them, like, just, like, flying low. And then it's, like, they're just, like, there's so many commercial jets just, like, so low. And you're, like, oh, no. And then, like, one crashes, and that's what kind of starts the whole, like, you know, spins them out. And they have to find a way out kind of thing. So I love that. Yeah, it was so good. Um, I'm really looking forward to this Sunday, but really, like, I've been busy with, uh, like, um, real-life stuff, so it's been taking up a lot of my time in the afternoons. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to do the same thing as you, get back into the single-player games, get back into some different multiplayer games, and still somehow juggle that with all the other stuff I got going on. Yeah. So, we'll see how it works out. I think it would be alright. Yeah, yeah. I tell myself that every week, you know. <laughs> I think we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, do we need to waste any more time though, like? I don't think so. I think it's time to get into pretty much the news of the start of the year. And it always yeah. seems to be Microsoft, doesn't it? Seems like that, huh? Last year. So I'm thinking, I always think back. Like, I feel like this year I'm going to be thinking back to this episode number last year. Because this episode number last year was our biggest story of 2022. Yeah, <laughs> and that the was Blizzard the Activision Blizzard. Blizzard acquisition. A year later, a lot of that's progressed. Obviously, <laughs> some things, you know, um, haven't turned out as we planned. But that's fine. Um, but one thing I will say is that, unfortunately, this piece of news is a little bit of a downer compared to what Microsoft had to offer us last year in January. And that is... Microsoft's going to be laying off 10,000 workers amid the tech downturn. Pulled this article from Max Zahn over at ABC News. Yeah, this is this is ABC News, by the way. Like, this is, like, you know, the main distribute, like, non-gaming distributions are picking up on this because it is pretty crazy. Um, Microsoft said that it will lay off 10,000 employees this year. The latest tech firm to slash jobs as the sector contracts after a pandemic era boom they also affect nearly five percent of microsoft's global workforce the company said um which is kind of crazy to think about Ten thousand people get laid off and that's only five percent of their workforce like gosh it's a massive company dude yeah it's so big it, it really is man so um, as we saw customers accelerate their digital spend during the pandemic we've now seeing them optimize their digital spend to do more with less um that's what the ceo said in a uh, in a statement to employees um we're also seeing organizations in every industry and geography exercise caution as some parts of the world are in a recession and other parts are anticipating one uh, company said the job cuts changes <clears throat> changes to its hardware portfolio and the consolidation of its real estate holdings would result in a 1.2 billion dollar charge 
um, tech industry downturn marked by a 33% drop in the NASDAQ last year has brought job cuts across the sector, including large, large firms like Amazon and Facebook parent Meta uh, layoffs at Microsoft arrived in response to the macroeconomic conditions and changing customer priorities. Uh, companies said um, in a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, dude, it, it, like this is just crazy. Like I, I want to stop there for a second because... This, like, Microsoft laying off people, um, granted, this is the biggest one we've heard in the last, um, last, like, year or two, but there have been, there were a couple of layoffs last year that Microsoft did, um, particularly to yeah. their, their Xbox sector, um, and their Edge, like, sector, um, they laid off, it wasn't nearly, I think, it wasn't nearly as much, it was still a lot, though, it was, like, you know, 1,000, 1,500, 1,800, something like that, right, um, but I think it was, like, it was, like, 1,800 or something in July, and then, like, 1,000 in November, but there was a couple of layoffs, you know, last year that happened. But then it's like with the start of the new year, it's all of a sudden it's like 10,000 people are just getting laid off like that. Um, and, you know, if you put in, I guess, the economic perspective on all this. and um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's very, uh, <laughs> it's very like, I guess, you know, both somewhat expected, but also like, whoa, like we're finally kind of seeing like the, the end of like the pandemic era i think when it term in like economic terms anyway um and we're uh, like microsoft said you know starting to see people kind of level out a little bit but yeah i mean but there's there, there's more to this story than just like okay here's you know ten thousand workers getting laid off um it was mainly in part i guess the devil is in the details with this one in the sense of like okay where in the company is are these layoffs happening and a lot of these layoffs were actually like in the Xbox sector, like you know Xbox, and, yeah. you know some even like specific developers, like I think like Bethesda and Three Four Three. I think were like huge major ones. It was like okay, like these are actually getting hit harder than uh, we originally expected with these layoffs, and so it's it is affecting gaming to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's definitely uh, definitely kind of odd and kind of like. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy too. I mean, we see, you know, if you're on Twitter or anything like that, and we were like specifically in the 343 community, in the Halo community, like you and I are pretty like plugged in, I feel like for the most part. And it's like, we see, we see all these devs, like the trend, like Twitter yeah. trends just send you, just send me their tweets of like, oh, by the way, this was my last day at 343. And this is like, you know, earlier this week. And it's like, you know, these vets that are leaving and these like names that have been around for years at the company, it's not just necessarily contractors, although that is, there is speculation that, you know, a chunk of these layoffs are probably just contractors that were close to expiration anyway, and that were probably out the door soon. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it's still crazy. I mean, um, to, to see stuff like that. And, um, I mean, I, I'd love to hear your opinion, Mike, on all this. Cause I think it's, uh, I mean, layoffs are never fun, but there seems to be a, a little more to the story <laughs> with this one. Yeah. I, I think, um, the tech industry in, in general, like especially the small startup companies, they're all laying off like mad over the last couple of months because like the economic downturn of higher interest rates and just slower economy, slower amount of money, purchasing power and all this other stuff that's going on in the worldwide market. It, it only makes sense that a large amount of companies are going to be downsizing regardless of their size overall. So for Microsoft, I was telling you about it, right? Like when this news broke this morning, I wasn't that surprised because this is something Microsoft has always done. It's like in really good economic situations, they always overhire and they're always trying to like expand and do new things and like, and like take risks. 
But then when the economy like slows down and the investments go away or like interest rates are going higher and all this other stuff where it doesn't make sense for them to take that type of risk anymore, they'll just start laying off entire divisions, like R&D departments kind of thing. So going to what you were saying with like uh, HCS and like 343 laying off, I think the number I saw most recently is rumored to be 130. I don't think their studio is over like 500. Yeah, right? I feel like it can't so, be. That's a lot, man. That's like that's like 20 plus percent. <laughs> that's a pretty big chunk. Entire studio. Yeah. And there's some like content creators who have gone out to the studio in Seattle and they're saying like entire divisions working on campaign, like the art division, are gone. Like they were supposed to do a campaign DLC soon. And yeah. it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, so, either that or most of the work is somehow done already and it's, you know, just a few left to get it over the finish line kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you know something that's kind of odd too is I've seen a lot of people, not odd, um, that's not the word, but I've seen a lot of people make comments about how the Microsoft Activision Blizzard went last year for around $70 billion. I feel like we raised it every time. Wasn't it like 68? It was like, yeah, 68.9 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So we'll round up just to say seventy billion, even though two billion's a lot. Um, <laughs> but they're saying like you got you got the CEO giving himself something like a fifty-two million dollar bonus last year. You have um, the purchase of Activision Blizzard going for seventy billion. It's like the seventy billion is like a promise that they're trying to upkeep, but it's blocked by regulations. And that happened last year in a completely different economy, right? So I don't think it's fair yeah. to say. Whereas the 52 million bonus or whatever rumor number that is, and then three weeks later you're laying people off, you're not, you're not making the decision to lay somebody off, at least that many people, in like a short amount of time. So that's like pre-planned, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, there's definitely some thought involved with it. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't just, you know, you don't just lay, lay off 10,000 people on a whim kind of thing. Um, no. But yeah, I mean, I mean, this is... You know, because I mean, the article also says, you know, Amazon's in a similar boat. They, they resumed a, a months-long wave of cuts that ultimately slashed 18,000 jobs <laughs> at Amazon. So it's like, you know, yeah. a couple of companies are experiencing this. But yeah, I mean, it's, um, it, it definitely, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think to your point, too, like, it, it's definitely clear that Microsoft, yeah, probably sometimes, I mean, it's it's got to be a thing of they're just, you know, they're over-hiring or, you know, they're hiring because, you know, you know, money's good right now, but it's like when it all comes down to it, especially when there's, you know, when there's like economic economic uncertainty, it's kind of just like it gets to a point where, you know, they're just like, all right, yeah. we need to start cutting corners or doing something or like, you know, what's not as critical kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it's probably just the name of the game, but it's it's ultimately unfortunate because there's a lot of people that are going to have to be looking for other work. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of people, That's man. True. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people that are going to be looking for work, but I figure if if you're working for Microsoft, you're probably really qualified for most positions. It's just like yeah. if Microsoft is laying people off and that's like a major market mover in basically the economy, the stocks, but also just innovation and everyday use, it's not really a good site that Microsoft's laying people off. It's like, well, what's a smaller company going to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's true. People might just follow suit just because it's like, well, Microsoft did it. I mean, they see something we don't. Yeah. Next thing you know, just like cut corners, cut people out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good Man. point. It's kind of like, yeah. Pretty I wild. Mean, 
yeah, I mean, there, there's some. There, we're definitely gonna see companies that take example. I think, um, I think too. But like, yeah, to your point, I mean, if you're if you're hired at Microsoft, you're good at what you do, if not extraordinary at what you do. So, um, and, yeah. and there's a reason you get hired at a big corporation like that. So, um, I have no sense, you know, at least a decent amount of people will probably land on their feet pretty shortly. You know, won't take that long, but yeah, so um, yeah, still wild. Yeah, I we hope so, like for sure. But in the scope of things, like 10,000 employees, that's a lot of people individually. But then when you look at the overall percentage of their workforce of 221,000, like for the state and the health of Microsoft as a company, it doesn't look that bad. Um, yeah. But for the amount of, when you think 10,000 employees, that's like 10,000 families potentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Definitely in the broader, like, macroeconomic macroeconomic like standpoint if that's even the right term like it's it's not too much but like yeah but yeah i mean yeah there's but there's only a few companies in the world that can lay off ten thousand people and it'd be like a drop in the pond you know it's like it's just, yeah, just not fact, that many yeah. so yeah and you know all their names kind of thing yeah i mean not, not the people but the companies yeah i mean yeah that's the thing too i mean who knows how many of like um it makes you wonder too and like just how many people like how many of those 10,000 people knew each other and like how big the networks were of like, you know, of job circles. So true. True. Hopefully it's not entire job circles where like an entire group of people can't get hired because a lot of hiring nowadays, like this is a pretty big problem. If you don't have the right resume that says the right keywords in the search engine, then you can just get like thrown into the bin real quick yeah. and thrown away. So it like connections and networking probably mean more now than they ever have. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, I mean, networking's everything. Connecting with people is everything. I think, especially in like, especially in the tech industry, and even yeah. more so in the gaming industry, right? Like, unless you, unless you, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, you can really put in work and just like put your head down and really get stuff done and like kind of shoehorn yeah. your way in, but um, but it's a lot of work, and there's there's people that you know get to that, get to those industries a lot quicker if they just you know talk to the right people, so. Just way of life, I guess, you know? Yeah, I think they'll be all right. I think um, people that work at Microsoft, usually computer programmers, anything tech-related, you're basically like a skilled trade job. Yeah. You have to be <laughs> yeah. highly skilled and, like, you're always learning kind of thing. So those people are always going to be valuable. Yeah, definitely. We'll see. We'll see how this affects. I was thinking about this, too. It's like, how is this going to affect... Like, when did they make this decision? Why did they make this decision? And how's that going to affect what's going on in the EU about the approval of the acquisition? Like, if they're going to make the acquisition, they have to pay the $68 billion, right? Yeah, so then they might think. need to, like, start cutting costs, which are, like, eliminating certain positions, right? Because you're going to be bringing on an entire new company, right? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe this could be a sign that, they're, that they think they're going to be approved. You yeah, know? I mean, it's possible. Yeah, I Who mean, knows? it's one of those things, too. I mean, yeah. When you're merging together like two companies like that it's a uh, it's certainly a lot and it, it gets to a point of you know i i think to your point of at a certain point it's like you know how many how many of these people do we really need between the two companies and like you know is there any is there any like um is there any like you know cross training or like any <laughs> anything that'd be necessary any, like, yeah like what's it called when they do uh acquisitions or like they're combining merges 
you have you have like positions that are doing the same thing but for two different companies and you only really need one person to do it at one company when they become a merge yeah i yeah i forgot there's like a term for that it's like doubling up the position or something yeah yeah i don't even know i i think that's a good point i didn't think about that though like you know what's gonna come of if the acquisition does go through like what's gonna like what are we gonna see in terms of you know microsoft's um like microsoft's employee you know count and stuff like that like how many people yeah. actually stay versus how many people end up having to leave like it's something i didn't think about but it's a good point like how, i'm really curious what it's gonna look like so yeah i think uh one more thing to mention before we move on to the next article is how the tech industry is down 33 percent from last year on the nasdaq i had no idea it was that far down but i feel like if you're at an all-time high right and the interest rates go up and the economy's freaking out because does nobody knows what's happening. I mean, it's gonna go down. I feel like all yeah. industries are going down right now. Yeah, crypto like eighty thousand percent down. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just kind of name of the game thing. Like you know, you're gonna have your yeah. peaks and your valleys. You know, and this is just a valley right now. That's all it is. I, I think. Um, I suspect you know it. Um, who knows? It, it may rebound to you know where it was, and if not, it'll come pretty close. I think so. Definitely weird times, though, no doubt. Facts. Well, let's Facts. move on to the, the next one for the week. And it is by The Verge. So The Verge wrote an article, let's see, Sean Hollister, who we've actually, we've covered plenty of his articles on this show. Like, yes. plenty. Um, <clears throat> so he wrote an article that's called, You Might Need a New PC to Play Forspoken Properly. Kind of, kind of rhymed. Um, the next-gen technology showcase recommends 24 gigabytes of RAM, RTX 3070, or an, RT, or an RX 6700 XT, and 150 gigabyte, gigabytes worth of an SSD. <clears throat> so, from the beginning, Forspoken was pitched as a technological showcase for PS5 and PlayStation. Or, yeah, PS5 and PC, offering the latest in SSD game load times and AI upscaling technology. But until today, it hadn't quite sunk in just how much power the magical parkour game will demand. Square Enix has now revealed the PC system requirements. And he goes, I'm honestly not sure my mid-range gaming PC can handle it. So the minimum spec requirements is a 3.7 gigahertz core i7 CPU or better, 16 gigabytes of RAM, and 150 gigabytes of hard drive space. And then, just to play, 720p at 30 frames per second. How do you feel about that, Kyle? I mean, we're there, you know? Uh, an i7... I'm trying to think an i7-3770. That's a pretty old chip. I feel yeah. like it's, you know, it's pretty old. I mean, we're... I, I think we're just, like... Especially, like, regarding CPU range, I think... I mean, I think it makes sense, you know, we're there... The day the days of i3s and i5s i don't feel like especially the older ones aren't as prevalent um i mean i5s i5s especially are like you know <laughs> they're just as they're like just under an i7 kind of thing um they're pretty neck and yeah. neck so i mean that makes sense to me um but yeah it's still like you know it's crazy to think that you know it's not even like an i3 or an i5 it's just like an old i7 like that <laughs> you, you should at least get you know an i7 kind of thing um yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, the Ryzen 5, I mean, that's kind of, I guess, across the board here. 
Um, they're recommending a Ryzen five. So, I mean, the Ryzen five sixteen hundred. That's a you know almost six year old chip. So, <laughs> just think well, about here's that. Here's the yeah. Here's the thing though. It's like the AMD Ryzen five sixteen hundred chip, which is the equivalent of the Intel Core i seven thirty seven hundred. I'm looking on Newegg, and that thing's going for three hundred ninety seven dollars, which is freaking wild. But on eBay, you got one hundred twenty five. And some of them are going up to 200. It's just, they're kind of hard to get. I think if anybody's like just not getting into PC gaming and you want to build your own PC, um, that could be kind of tough. Like a lot of these don't, because they're out, they've been old for a while. Yeah. Been out for so long, it's kind of difficult to find. Yeah. Um, same thing yeah. with like the Intel i7. I mean, well, Newegg's got it for 100 bucks. So, I mean, you can't complain that much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the old i7 too. I mean, you, most modern day i3s and i5s are going to be way better than that i7 right there, the 37, 3770. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to get beat by a lot of the newer chips and even chips that are just a couple years old that aren't even in the i7 family. So, um, it ultimately true. it ultimately comes down to like if you, if like if people are really curious, you can just go on like the CPU benchmark site. And just compare this one with That's like true. a modern day i3 or an i5 and see how it stacks. But I, I'd be willing to put money on it that, you know, those newer chips are going to outperform this by a lot. And it's going to be like, yeah, just get those chips. Don't even worry about this i7 because it's just not really relevant anymore. But I mean, you know, if you have, I mean, because this is the thing. I ain't going to lie. I'm getting to that point now. Like, this is a Ryzen 5 1600. I mean, like, it's a six-year-old CPU, but, like, my the Ryzen I have my PC right now is the same gen as that one. <laughs> like, so, it's getting to a point, like, I'm sitting there about to be like, well, if you have that CPU, you might as well just upgrade it. But it's like, I mean, you know, I can't really say much because I haven't even upgraded yet. So, it's like, um, <laughs> point. Yeah, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, I look at... be upgraded right now in the economy, dude. That's yeah. what we were talking about in the last article. It's like, I know money's tight now for a lot of people. So, what they have now is which, what they got to be playing with until things start settling down again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 8,700K, this is in the recommended tier, the Intel Core i7-8700K. I mean, that's a five-year-old CPU. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, even that's like getting age on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, we're getting to a point now where it's like, because I see, I see that, you know, the Ryzen 5 1600 and like a 1066 gigabyte is the recommended video card there. And it's like, dude, my, yeah. you know, I have a 1080 Ti, like, it's the same gen as that one. <laughs> it's like, Jeez, I, I like I'm start. It's starting to set in of like my PC's getting old, and it's just like it's finally like I, one more, one or two more years. It's gonna be, it's gonna get to the point where like the 1080 Ti is gonna be the minimum <laughs> requirement, and it's like, well, you know, that's true. It is kind of wild that like the minimum requirements are basically like four or five year old equipment. When some people are out there rocking like five plus seven, eight yeah. year equipment, yeah. but really yeah. like eight, ten years ago, I mean. It, it wasn't that bad, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know? I didn't think it was. It's crazy. I mean, I think it also provides proof of technological advancement and how quickly, you know, tech is yeah. moving. Because, like, you know, yeah. I mean, we didn't, I mean, I don't even know if we have, no, we don't have the article here, but I know we, we talked about, um, like, we were looking through articles, article on, like, the, the three nanometer process and how that's still on track to yeah. be a thing, you know, in a year. And it's like, we're on like what seven or five or something like that now and it's like and and you know it's my it gets it's it's to the point where like each iteration is getting like it is getting demonstrably better and just like the the feat that is being made 
and like the progression that is being made year over year for like graphics cards especially and like even cpus it's just like it's it's unlike anything we've seen yet <laughs> so i mean it blows my mind every time because it, and this was coming from you know i got the 1080 ti and then the 20 series came out and it was like okay it's good but it's not that big of a jump and then the 30 series came out and that was like okay this should have been the 20 series <laughs> like it's a massive <laughs> yeah. jump but then the 40 series came out and it's like I mean, this thing is big, but it is a huge improvement too. So it's kind of like, it's just, you know. It has a lot of power though. <laughs> yeah, it has a lot of power. And I think, I don't know. I mean, on on the graphics card front, I love to see they really need to work on like heat management and size. That's like the oh, biggest yeah. challenge right now. I'm very scared to know what the like 5,000 series is going to look like on that. Because it's I have a feeling it's going to be way too big for cases unless they do some serious like, you know, <laughs> unless they like seriously... Like reinvent or revolutionize the way like they can deal with heat it's gonna get kind of crazy but like for cpu front i mean there it hasn't changed much in size but the power is way better year over year so it's like it's crazy that's a good point yeah so i mean is this a problem do you think with like the game engines as well and just the overall demand that's going on with these games like i feel like games nowadays are just not as stable as they used to be you yeah. know it's like built for one specific platform or one specific graphics card or uh, CPU. And it's like, or in certain amount of RAM you have to have now, it's getting kind of out of hand where it's like, there is no minimum. Like they're always trying to make it prettier and better, but it's like, are they doing that at the detriment of the game engine itself? Yeah. Can the software handle it? You know? Yeah. It really makes me wonder. I want to, I want to get to a point in gaming where we stop chasing graphics. And yeah. it's one of those things like we just we've been chasing for better graphics every year, like better looking visuals. But it, I mean, it's gotten to a point where I'm just like, I and, and who knows? I I just had a I just had a like a, a like a, a revelation here. I I feel like part of the like part of the reason why like you know games like probably don't perform as well as they used to is because we are chasing the wrong things in terms of metrics for new video games. Like, we're chasing graphics, and we're chasing these, like, open worlds, and this and that, like, bigger, bigger, bigger. But it's like, Lies, yeah. when are we going to go back to just, like, okay, let's... Why don't we just, like, scale this back a little bit? Not focus on graphics? It could look like... I mean, it could look like Halo 3. I don't care. Like, just, like, scale it back to a point, like, where graphics aren't a factor, and just make a solid... A solid, foundationally sound game. You know? I, I just don't... I really wish I we would take that fair, step, but I just don't know. I don't think anybody that's played video games consistently, at least new video games that keep coming out, would would argue with that point. I mean, games just feel like it feels like the the game itself is an afterthought. You know, yeah. it's like they're they're trying to tell a story. Most of the cutscenes you can't interact with; they're all movie quality, yeah. and you need a hard drive that's three hundred gigabytes <laughs> to yeah. download. Like. Come on, man. How about we just make something that like feels really good and is really addicting and fun? Like I still play N64 Super Smash Bros. because the game is fun. You know, yeah. I don't care what it looks like. Yeah, it's the, same, it's the same crap. Like people playing board games that have looked the same for ages too. Nobody, nobody's trying to update the graphics. Yeah, why are we trying to overcomplicate it? You like, know? yeah, and I can respect great graphics, but at the same time, it's like. The day that games start looking like real life, I don't know how I'm going to take it. <laughs> like, unless it's like VR, then it's like, okay, this is scary. We're like approaching territory where it's like, you know, yeah. it's hard to discern real life from games. And that's like, that reality kind of scares me. But like, I mean, dude, I, I mean, I love the graphic, the way graphics are now. I think it's ultimately going to come down to Unreal Engine 5 
what are the products that are to come out of Unreal Engine yeah. 5? And is it what we're going to expect? Is it not what we're going to expect? And like, how is that going to perform on like, you know, mid-tier hardware versus like ultra hardware? I mean, because yeah, I mean, we see, you know, especially in, when games come out, obviously they get better over time in terms of optimization and everything. But it's like, you know, we see all these games come out. It's like, it seems like, you know, even if you have like the latest and greatest, it's still like, like, yeah, you can get, a, you can get pretty good performance and it's crazy, but it's like, it, that's not like the latest and greatest is not the majority. So I just, you know, I, I think I, I wish companies would focus on, okay, like what are, you know, but let's work with what we got and like kind of what's the, what's the, uh, what's the largest, um, consumer base, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why you're saying it, but I, I think know. that's the, that's kind of like the beauty of consoles, yeah. at least with like Nintendo. It's like everybody has the same hardware always. And it's like yeah. always fixed and like bare minimum that they have to meet in order to become classified as like a Nintendo game. Yeah. Same thing with uh, like Apple apps. They have to meet certain criteria to be on the platform. Yeah. Maybe that needs to happen eventually. Like you need to have minimum requirements of like 1080p, 60 frames per second for like a bottom tier um, game. Yeah. Or like a bottom tier PC. But then if you want to go up to like 4K, 120 frames per second, then you have to have like top of the line equipment. But it needs to be compatible for both. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, that, is, that is definitely the beauty in consoles is you know your limits and you know your limitations so you can work with yeah. those confines and make a great product. I mean, that's, just, that, that's what makes console gaming great. And yeah, definitely if you're developing for PC, that's where it gets into a gray area. Um, I will say this article does talk about it talks about RAM a lot. And I know like for Forspoken they were recommending, you know, upwards of thirty two gigs of RAM, you know, for twenty four. Like, yeah, like twenty four for recommended, thirty two for ultra. Yeah, I mean, as a PC gamer, Mike, I'm gonna be honest with you. I upgraded to thirty two gigs of RAM years ago because like not only just for gaming, but for just what I do on my machine. Um, I feel like it was it had become necessity. After, after like just a couple of years of having you know 16 gigs i was like it's just this ain't cutting it and when i got 32 gigs it was like game changing so yeah i don't know i feel like it's um i mean it doesn't surprise me that 32 is the requirement now for a game at ultra settings i mean i don't play like super you know ultra setting games but i, I do know for just what i do on my pc it's very beneficial to have more ram and i think if you're just if you're on your pc a lot you should invest and it's like it's so cheap now especially ddr4 ram is like you know it's yeah. ridiculously cheap so it's like might as well. 100 bucks now. yeah it's crazy yeah so I if you have a ddr4 it, system you should like go for it i feel like but you know that's me yeah that was that was probably the first upgrade i made was i started with 16 gigabytes of ram and then i went up and got to 32 and it was because it was like i was streaming recording and playing like unoptimized game so my ram was just freaking out <laughs> yeah. so i was like all right let me upgrade and once i upgraded everything became smoother and faster yeah. so i think it's like it's something that's probably one of the first things you should upgrade if not then the stall like more storage yeah. like an m.2 drive nvme yeah. something like that yeah i honestly like if you want to see especially in video games if you want to see the biggest difference in like performance and just like just general performance so yeah dude get an ssd that's like the cheapest like best upgrade you can make for your pc and since we're talking about like components and pcs right now for gaming do you feel as big of an elitist as i do when i load into games faster than my friends <laughs> from time to you time yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just like, oh man, must suck for you having that that poor man's hard drive. <laughs> yeah, right. Twenty minutes to load. Still up. having a hard disc. Oh, I can't relate. You know. Dude, I I had that with uh, the Xbox Series. No, not the Xbox Series X. The Xbox One X. Um, with like Halo Five, I put all my games onto a solid state drive, external. And like I reformatted it so it worked with the Xbox and it was on a USB 3.0. I loaded faster than every default Xbox, <laughs> like by far. So Please. it was hilarious. You'd just be in the waiting room, like I'm already here, guys. Just like where are you? <laughs> yeah, dude. My biggest thing was the game that where I realized I needed more RAM specifically was when I played Rust. Let me tell you, that oh, game I is so that. intensive and those servers are so big, like. Yeah, and like I noticed, like, and my game—I think it was points where my game would crash, and I would like look at my RAM usage, and it's like at peak, it's it's on fire, like about to just like explode. That's hilarious. And so, and like, especially if I'm doing that, and I'm like watching a stream, or like I have Chrome tabs open, like it's just it's cooking. So like, I got some RAM, and uh, it, it was so funny too when I got the RAM, and like I just ran everything, and I was like monitoring it. It was hitting like 22, 24 gigs of usage. I was like, it like it was it was like crying for more more space. So it's pretty funny. You know, uh, I like with Forspoken coming out and possibly being on like Unreal Engine and stuff like this. It like the future is bright for gaming overall. It just kind of stinks that you're gonna have to upgrade all your equipment to enjoy it to its like full capacity. Yeah. And who knows, man? It's getting to a point where I'm like, hey, it's easier just to get a PS5 and just like play new games on a PS5. Like, you know what I mean? Speaking it, of PS5, maybe, maybe not multiplayer games, but you know, yeah. Speaking of PS5, it's a good segue. I like that segue. Yes, ladies, sir. And gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, do you still have a PS4? You don't have to answer that question, but if you do, probably. I mean, you probably do, but. You need to know that Sony is finally getting to the point where they're ready to focus on the PS5. Insert your resty, rest in peace PS4 memes, whatever. It's that time. I read this article from Kotaku. Zach Sweezen. I hope I said your name right. Sorry if I didn't. The decade-old PlayStation 4 released all the way back in 2013. I want you to think about that, Mike. I want you to think long, long and hard about that. 2013, almost had a decade. I was still in school. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Back in 2013, it's continued to receive big new exclusives from Sony, even if those old gen ports feel outdated or inferior, which we have seen plenty of times ever since. Oh, gosh. More specifically <laughs> since 2020. You know, Cyberpunk. You just really had to do it, didn't you? You know, I'm just, I, I said it. Sorry. <laughs> um, well, they're almost ready, that is. It's somewhat hard to believe that the PlayStation 5 was released over two years ago on November 12th, 2020. It's kind of crazy. Two years in. But now, it finally seems like Sony is ready to move on and leave the aging PS4 behind. The last few massive Sony exclusives... Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok were released on the PS5 as well as the elderly PS4. I love how they said that. And while it was nice that more folks got a chance to play these big games, it almost felt odd to see Sony still supporting this weird era of cross-gen games in 2023. 
Um, this was the same company whose boss, Jim Ryan, infamously said in 2020 that Sony had always believed in generations in response to Microsoft promising long-term support for cross-gen games, meaning you can only be in one era at a time. Fast forward to early 2023, and while Microsoft in 2022 failed to really ship anything, as they say, as Kotaku says, I did not say that, that was what Kotaku said, um, for any generation of Xbox, Sony did publish a few big titles, and they talk about a lot of these, whatever. The main point of this article is, it finally seems, so it finally seems to have changed directions, and a new video published yesterday, so at the time of this article, this was on Tuesday, so Monday of this week, Monday the 16th, uh, PlayStation put out a, um, a little preview video, a montage of 23 games coming out in 2023, and only eight of these games are coming to both PS4 and PS5. All of Sony's exclusive games, including Spider-Man 2 and the Horizon VR spinoff, are skipping PS4 entirely. So if we look at this list, there are 23, as I stated. So there's 23 games. Only eight of them are actually cross-gen. And they're coming to PC, too. A lot of them. A lot of them, yeah. A lot of them. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of crazy. I think the biggest thing here was, I mean, yeah, the new God of War. I was very surprised when, you know, I heard that, you know, they were still going to be releasing that on PS4. Because, like, yeah, that game, so that game yeah. also was, you know, performed very well. It was beautifully optimized out the gate. <laughs> Hardly any bugs kind of thing. This probably has to do with how, like, Sony and the developer of God of War is just so massive and they're down, like, everything's down to a science with them. Yeah. They have enough resources to make it happen. I think some of these on the list, like, they might not have the resources to make it happen for all the titles that they were like launching on. Yeah. Except for something like Spider-Man 2. That probably could have been on PS4. Yeah, and maybe. It's PS4. Um yeah, it, it's uh it's certainly kind of crazy. I think I've been saying this forever. I think uh I think PlayStation should start phasing out. I mean, I think I feel like they should have started phasing out PS4 a while ago. Think um, yeah. I think there's no reason to hang on to it. Um, it's been ten years. Also, I mean, also, I mean, we're two years post launch. We're finally getting to a point where they're easier to find too, which is great. So yeah, um, you're not struggling to get one now. Which I and so now I think it's like now that you know the stock is starting to kind of catch up, and we're not we're not where we were. I think it's um it's even more of a sign of just be like, hey, let's just move on. For four hundred dollars, you can buy a uh, PS5 digital edition today if you if you can uh, find it. I know like Amazon has some Best Buy, I think even ships to their stores, so you can pick them up, find one pretty easily. But yeah, you know, it's, we get to that point. That I think that's a good point you brought up. The PlayStation wasn't really available during the last like two years. Um, definitely not as available as the Xbox was. So I think that might have been a decision that Sony made with like their devs and their studios that were making games about how like, hey, like our customers don't have a PS5, so you'd just be making a game that's going to sit on the shelves. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it kind of, it makes sense to do PS4, PS5, but to finally see them rolling it out, that's got to make it easier on the devs too, right? Yeah. Certainly. They don't have to deal with like a different generation or edition of their yeah. story or their game and have <laughs> I mean, it like I mean, dude, down. We literally already, I mean, we, we, we talked about an article, I think it was towards the end of last year, about, you know, Xbox developers coming out and saying that the Series yeah. S was annoying to develop on. And yeah. they, were, they were saying, 
how long do we have to develop on this? Because it's holding back the Series X and like it, worse than we thought, kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, they couldn't meet their deadlines because they had to make it for the Xbox Series X and S. Yeah, <clears throat> and the S version, which is just so trash, they were like, I don't want to produce this anymore. Yeah, that's probably the same problem that the Sony guys are having. Yeah, I mean, we saw what was that? What was that game that just came out with all the uh, saw the DC like action? What am I thinking of? Are you thinking of DC Universe? No, you're not thinking of that. The fighting game? It was the Batman-related game. Was it? Oh, you're talking about... It's not Suicide Squad. Yeah, not them. uh, It's (sighs) where Batman's supposed to be dead. Yeah. yeah. Like Gotham Knights, I think? Gotham Knights, that sounds right. That game... You gotta look it up. Yeah. That game was originally supposed to be a cross-gen game, but they canned the PS4 version. and And I suspect... It was probably because it was going to be like a cyberpunk release, and they were just like, we can't do this. Can't put this out. I mean, dude, that's exactly what happened with cyberpunk. It was yeah. broken on the, the older series. PS4, it was unplayable. Xbox One, it was kind of messed up. On the Series X, it was playable. People didn't complain too much. And on the PC, there was still buggy stuff, but I mean, I feel like every PC game has bugs now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was Gotham Knights. It came out October 12th or 21st. Yeah. Yeah, that game got yeah. lost its cross gen, but um, but yeah, I mean, I but I sat, but I stood there and was like, hey, this is for the better. Uh, I mean, I if especially if it's if it's in a bad enough state that you feel like you just can't maintain it or you don't want to even put it out, don't put it out, yeah. kind of thing. So I was fully in support of that decision. True that. So, I mean, a lot of these titles I'm pretty excited for just in general. Um, that are coming out for PlayStation. And dude, I kind of want to get a PS5. I do. I'm, There's I'm so many story-driven games. Like, I'm tired of waiting for them to come to PC in like two or three years. And I I don't know, man. I don't know. I know for a fact, speaking of Sony, their new controller, their like elite version, you know what yeah, I'm talking about? The Edge or whatever. Um, yeah, the Edge. That's coming out, I think, next week, right? Very soon. Something yeah. like that. Edge sense. It's, it's the yeah. Edge PS5 Edge controller. When are you coming out? Dual sense do Edge. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, next week, January 26th. It's so, right literally next week. Um, global release date. I'm looking forward to that. Just in general, Sony makes the best controllers, best hardware. I think they really do. Except for the consoles, for some reason, Microsoft has all like the high performance quality stuff. Kind of crazy, but, right? It's weird. Yeah. Look, Mike, almost I'm gonna say two words, you know? Tax season, baby. <laughs> yeah. Tax season. You wanna get a PS5? Tax season, baby, you know? <laughs> oh, you know, you're not supposed know. to be getting tax money back if you do your taxes correctly. You're supposed to be getting zero. I guess I do them wrong then. Cause I know I'm be getting money back, baby. I'm getting that PS5, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's gonna happen. All right, let's get it then. <laughs> let's get it, baby. All right, so I think that's enough for Sony. Why don't we move back to something that impacts the overall gaming industry? And it has to do with European Parliament voting on loot boxes and gaming addiction. So this article comes from gamesindustry.biz, and it was written by a man named James Batchelor, editor-in-chief. Interesting name. Looks very English. (laughs) It Uh, sure does. I can say that because I'm English. So 
The European Parliament voted today to adopt a report calling for the European Commission to address several issues in the gaming industry that it believes will better protect consumers, especially young people. The, the report was led by MEP uh, Adriana Maldona, Maldonado Lopez. Oh, I like that. That's a sick middle name. Um, Maldonado, or maybe last name, who, I don't know. And secured 577 votes in favor, with 56 against and 15 absentees. That's a margin right Ooh. there. That's a margin. Yep. So one thing, I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but the European Union and the UK in general, they kind of cracked down a little bit on gambling. It's kind of weird. It's like they're more outspoken like against it, but they still have regulations and they have it available. Whereas the US, it's like anything goes in only these areas. <laughs> but it's like still people gamble online yep. and gaming is one of those do you think loot boxes and basic the main things that they're going for is loot boxes gaming addiction and gold farming do you feel like that's uh something that should be regulated so loot boxes yes yeah. <laughs> i I'm, I'm for the regulation i think to a certain extent i do especially if the price like this is the thing like loot boxes in general i think I, ever since Fortnite came out, dude, to be honest with you, ever since Fortnite came uh, out, yeah. I just think loot boxes are dumb. Like, you can put something in, the, like, I think it's completely fair if you want to put something in the store for a limited time, take it out, and then not, like, really have an idea of when it's coming back, but, like, you know at some point it's coming back. I think that's fine, and I think it's probably a uh, less predatory way of going about microtransactions. That's just my thought. But, some, I mean, and don't get me wrong, some people... I mean, some people love to gamble, right? Like, they love just being like, okay, yeah. what am I going to get kind of thing? And it, it makes it more interesting. Um, and, you know, there's there's obviously people that struggle with gambling, like addictions and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think you know, it's, you know, it, it's one of those subjects that's kind of like, you know, um, I, I think, I think loot boxes in general, I'm not like a huge fan of, but I don't really participate in the whole loot box thing. Like, I don't buy loot boxes or anything like that. That's just me. Um, but I can see how it could be a problem for some people. So, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, I'm all for regulating it if that's uh, what's needed. Yeah, I think uh, for for me, when it comes to loot boxes, is I don't really fall for that kind of crap anymore. Like, I, I grew up in an era where if you wanted unlocks, like customizability and unlocks in your games, you had to grind the game. Like, that was yeah. the only way to get it. You don't pay more. Um, there was, like, many kind of microtransactions to get more content, like DLC, new maps, stuff like yeah. that. Like, the overall shipment of the original game was quality, so it wasn't that big of a deal to get add-ons. Yeah. Uh, so, I think in today's market, it makes sense to put regulations on it. Why don't we uh, go ahead and start listing off what they were for and the overall breakdown of this report. So, there was a consumer protection in online video games, a European single market approach. The European Commission was asked the following, based on age ratings and information, consumer protection, monetization, and industry support. I'm going to read a couple of these off because there's quite a few. Yeah. So for age ratings and information, and there was to assess how PEGI system is being implemented in the different types of games available and to consider enshrining it in the EU law to make PEGI its code of contact Sorry, code of conduct um, that manda yeah, the mandatory age rating system for all games. Okay, so 
Yeah. Basically, they want to use the PEGI, which is like, if there's blunt video games, it automatically becomes mature. Yeah. If there's like sexual content, it becomes R, stuff like that. Um, the main label that you could see. They want to make that their EU law and code of conduct, which I think probably a good idea. Yeah. Leave it up to the industry to designate what a game's categorization is. Yeah. Um, there's sure. also a to support the promotion of public and private education and information campaigns directed at parents and caretakers to inform them of the tools in place such as the PEGI app and to encourage usage. I feel like that's not that big of a deal because it's like most most new parents were probably gamers at one point or at least familiar with games in general. We're really going into a new era where it's like we're going to be probably the first generation sitting with our kids on the couch playing video games. <laughs> yeah, I know, probably. Kind of cool. So. Um, let's jump over to some of the things that they talked about for consumer protection. There is a, to develop a common European identity verification system to help check the age of players, a.k.a. you know how people, like kids, they have their mom or dad's credit card in the profile and they go to the shop and just start buying yeah. without any type of verification process whatsoever. Yeah. So that's a big thing. There is uh, to develop minimum standards of, on privacy preser uh, preservation so you can hide the fact that like your full name is on the profile. Uh, to collect EU-wide data on the average time spent playing games, average in-game spending, and socio-psychological effects. That one's crazy. Um, present a yearly report to Parliament on it. That's basically assess the world, like the European population and what games they are. Yeah. So if you got a bunch <laughs> of crazy people out here playing, I don't even know, name a game. GTA. <laughs> Grand Theft yeah, Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> acting all crazy. It's like, Okay, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, let's jump over to monetization. There is to access whether the current consumer law framework is sufficient to address all issues raised by loot boxes and in-game purchases. If not, to adopt the current framework for online games or to propose standalone legislation. There's also to analyze the way in which loot boxes are sold and take necessary steps to bring about a common European approach on loot boxes to protect consumers in particular minors. Which, I mean, I feel like this is kind of just common sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say. Um, yeah, I, it's, you know, I, I'm definitely for this. I feel like there should be some, I, like, it'd be nice if there's something already in place or something like that, but... Um, yeah. And again, you know, in the age of internet, it's hard to know like whether someone's lying or it, like verify. Like it's hard to like verify the information kind of thing. So, I'd be curious to see how they, what some ideas they come up with to try and approach that one. But yeah, I'm, I'm for it. Here's a here's another one under monetization. It says to put an end to illegal practices allowing anyone to exchange, sell, or bet on in-game and third-party sites, and then it has in quotes for uh, skin betting. CSGO Lotto, baby. CSGO Lotto. <laughs> oh, dude, that, yeah, that was, that was a workaround to like bet online, right? It's like, oh, if you just, uh, if we, you, it was kind of the loophole. It's like, let's just use CSGO skins as currency kind of thing. And so then you exactly. have like, oh man. And that basically becomes in-game currency for a third-party site. Yeah. And that's basically what they're doing. So they're looking to put an end to purchasing in-game currency and then betting on it. Yeah. <laughs> so it comes down to does loot boxes count as betting? Because there's a chance of random probability every single time. Yeah, that's true. 
No, but it's always it's always, you know, sparked curiosity in me whenever I see like the whole the whole CSGO um like economy when it comes to, like skins and like how much some skins are worth over others. It's like mind blowing because like it gives you because that's the thing once because like you get money involved and then it's like all right I like I actually like some people are like you know I'm actually gonna try and spend hundreds of dollars to potentially like quadruple what I've spent kind of thing and it's like yeah. dude that's just, that's like just like Vegas <laughs> like it's kind of crazy um, it really really is yeah. Um, yeah there's there's two more things that I want to read off about the uh, these ones I think are. They make sense, and I'm pretty excited for them, and you'll probably know why. So under industry report or support, there is to put forward a European video game strategy that unlocks the economic, social, educational, cultural, and innovative potential of this sector to enable it to become a leader in the global video game market. Basically, they want to have more video game developers there, right? They want to have video games that actually like impact and improve society. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, they're using keywords though, unlocks and <laughs> find the potential of the sector. So yeah. it's like, okay, they're, they're not looking at it to shut the whole thing down, you know? Yeah. But they're also looking like, hey, there's, there's a pretty good opportunity here for video games. And then the last one, some feel good moments to present initiatives to improve the accessibility of online video games for persons with disabilities, which accessibility, I'm maybe. For I'm always for, for that. Get, always get for that. Game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, how do we see it? The the latest the latest W from PlayStation creating an adaptive controller for yeah. you know it's like dude, it's such a W. A long time, you know, long overdue, some may say, but it's here, man. And I think uh, I think the reason it's so long overdue is because it is a different. It's definitely a different type of controller. So it's like you could tell they were like they were really put in time and like probably did a lot of testing and R and D just to come up with what yeah. they thought was the best solution so i'm excited exactly. to see how that performs and how you know how it actually you know and and hopefully I, i'd be curious to see what kind of impact it has on people especially in the playstation ecosystem who you know <clears throat> who have disabilities or need the uh or, or you know need the uh they they need that kind of controller in order to like um enjoy games and so i'm hoping that you know bring some joy for more people right that's the that's the end goal so yeah that, that's a good point you know it's like it, it's it's kind of interesting too because the companies that the reason why the government should be getting involved with like making sure that accessibility is available for online games for all people with disabilities because it's like you might have several groups of people that feel alienated because like capitalism with the companies there are there's like no monetary incentive for them to design uh, accessibility options for maybe like what less than one percent of their overall gaming population yeah i just i don't know the percentages but i think you understand what i'm saying where it's like it's really just a small group of people in the grand scheme so the government's basically saying like hey man like think of these people too get them involved yeah so having some type of incentive incentives or initiatives to improve it i mean that'd be pretty sick yeah i think it would be um yeah i mean i think i I, yeah i i I'm all for that, and I, I, I do want to, like, credit, especially, like, game devs as of, you know, the last few years of, like, you know, pushing accessibility options in their games more. I think the yeah. companies that do that, that do more of that, get more praise as they should, and so hopefully, you know, it'll influence, should, yeah. influence more people. Because, dude, it's, it's so crazy. Like, when I, when I see a game that has, like, a menu of, like, 60 options and, like, 10 <laughs> different toggles across for options, like, dude, that's, like, I'm like, you know what? I may not use much of this, 
But like, if I want to change colors and stuff like that, I mean, I, th I think it's just cool too. Like, just whenever you change colors and whatnot to like the what is not normal, I just love doing that in general because I want to make things my own. So <laughs> when there's like options to do that too, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of people can benefit. So, bro, you you like you have no idea how awesome it is to get on a game and they have like colorblind settings for them because i'm colorblind and i mix up all the time especially in shooters like people will just blend in with the background i can't see them yeah especially games that are like not super colorful and stuff like that they'll just blend in but then i'm like okay wait i can override this i can do marker it's like yeah. my enemy colors are like bright yellow i can't yeah. like i'm not missing that that's not glowing in with anything or yeah. um fading with anything else and uh just that option alone for me is huge so I can only imagine how good it would be for somebody that has like, I don't, I don't even know. Like maybe they only have one arm. Like you can have yeah, an entire exactly. controller for one hand. You know, yeah. so many options. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of options. We as as a gaming community we want people to feel included. So the more you can do to do that, uh, we all win. That's like because I what's the saying like I forget. It's like you know when it, it was I think like Phil or someone said it, but it's like you know. Um, like when more people play, we all win, or some kind of thing. It's, you know, oh yeah, so it's that like, Phil Spencer, yeah. the goat. Yeah, I wonder yeah. how he's doing the layoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be curious too. You know, yeah. how he's taking and handling. But, but yeah, let's not get too sidetracked with it. I ain't gonna. We we already covered the story. You know, I want to sit here and get sad again. <laughs> yeah, oh, bro, gaming's great. Like gaming's great. Know. All right. Yeah, Fantastic. it's gonna be interesting to see how everything plans out for the remaining weeks. Um. I'm looking forward to the new releases coming up and the new reviews. Yeah. So, I am too. New equipment, new new games overall. I mean, there were a couple couple coming out just this week alone, like on PC. Uh, yeah, First Spoken's coming out next week, and we talked about that earlier. And we got Dead Space coming out, I think, on PC. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I don't even, you know, did we ever do like a January launch game? I don't know. I didn't know if there was much out this month. <laughs> Uh, January, not so much. We don't really, we don't really dive into that too much. I don't no. think. I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, with going on February, we're gonna have a couple that we're gonna definitely sir. do announcements. We do it. By the way, first episode um, for you guys at the beginning of every month, we do a review of the games that are coming out, or at least mention. Sure yeah, I mean, the biggest one next month for me, I think, is Harry Potter. I know there's like a lot of hot water around it, but I think yeah. overall it's gonna be a good game. So um, that's something I'm thinking about diving into. So. Yeah, I've been like deliberately staying away from that game, not because of like it being in hot water, but because I like the Harry Potter universe in general. Yeah. So I don't want to like watch any reviews or watch any videos. I kind of want to experience it for myself yeah. if I play it. I so. feel that there's so many games. I wish they had multiplayer though. They gutted it. Yeah, yeah. You don't you, you don't understand how many games I've avoided all footage from just because I want to experience it firsthand and. uh I must admit, I've seen, um, I haven't seen like a, a lot, a lot of footage, but I have seen like, you know, combat and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, that's cool. I like it. So, but yeah, the fact that they got rid of multiplayer, maybe next time, you know, I guess, like, but it is a little upsetting. I can't lie. Because, you know, I was looking forward to that. Fair enough, man. Well, I think, I think that pretty much wraps up what, episode two of the season for the MTU podcast? Let's uh hopefully I can get a controller next time we do this um this episode for the PS5. That'd be sick. Oh, he's gonna get that he's gonna snap that edge up. 
said that I mean, age control. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I'm just saying, I might go to Best Buy after work. I might see if it's there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. If it's there, I mean, I might get it. Who knows? We'll Who see. knows, Mike? Who knows? All right. I think we've talked enough. We're basically at a sub an hour for the episode. We appreciate you guys tuning in. This has been the show where we cover gaming industry-related news, the M2 podcast. I'm your host, Michael Anty. My co-host right here, Mr. J.K. Heath. He's the man. Make sure you follow us on Twitter if you want to. By the way, working on a Twitter handle for the podcast only. And, of course, all the links, descriptions, everything is below in the description. You can check it out. So without further ado, peace out. Bye, everyone. Good week. See you. Have a good one.